0: Good morning. morning. Glad to see you all, welcome on this first Sunday of June, June 4th, Uh, by the way, because it is the first Sunday, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together uh, at the conclusion of the sermon. Uh, I do want to give you a heads up because I know we'll forget this info later, Uh, we're trying some different things, so all of the communion bread this morning is gluten-free, so we'll try that out, if you complain, we'll go back to the good stuff, Um, but we don't want anybody anybody getting sick with the body of Christ, so uh, gluten-free this morning, Uh, man, I'm glad that you are here, we are... Starting out a brand new series. Uh, it feels weird to, after 17 weeks, be jumping into something different uh, other than the book of, of Acts, but we're in the book of Psalms. Summer in the Psalms is what we're calling this series. And uh, so, for the next uh, eight weeks, we'll be eight or nine weeks, we'll be in this series. Let me give you a little background on the Psalms. The Psalms is such a rich book in the Old Testament. It's really right smack in the middle of uh, your Bible, if you can see that. It's right about in the middle there. Uh, it is a collection of of 150 uh, Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers. 150 Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers uh, from different periods in the, the, uh, the history of Israel. Uh, When you look at your Bible, you'll see it's divided up into five separate books. Book one, book two, book three, book four, and book five. Uh, Let me give you a little note on this. This is one of those, y'all know I'm weird with words and I'm very particular on things. This is just one of those little uh, things that I want to teach you. I want you to be fluent in the scriptures. Uh, So the book of Psalms is comprised of 150 psalms. So each one is a song or a poem uh, that is an individual song. So you wouldn't uh, wouldn't say Psalm chapter. Chapter 1, okay, you wouldn't say Psalms 1, you would say Psalm 1, because each one is an individual psalm. I know that's a weird little nitpicky thing, but it drives me crazy when I see Psalms 23. It's Psalm 23. Each one is an individual song or poem that stands on its own. Uh, So the writers of the Psalms, you have King David, who wrote really about half of them. He wrote uh, many of them, 73. Um, Then you have anonymous uh, writers, about 49. So about nearly a third of the psalms are, uh, there's not an author indicated. And then 28, uh, the remaining are just various authors like Moses and and Solomon. Um, So you have 150 psalms. I compare the psalms to like music Today, um, they, they expresses, um, you know, they're poetic, they're real, they're raw, they're expressive. Uh, there is deep emotion in the Psalms that covers really the full range of, of the human experience. Uh, everything from, you know, joy to sorrow to struggle to triumph to anger to longing to hope— All of the full range of human emotion is, we see it expressed in the Psalms. Uh, Here's something important, I think, to point out. In Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus, uh, he says this about the Psalms. He says, "...everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled." And so really the reason I bring that up is because, like, like all of Scripture, it all points to Jesus. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ, even in the Psalms. Uh, so yes, some of the Psalms are prophetic. They speak very prophetically about this Messiah who was to come. Um, but at, at the heart of it, the Psalms are the heart cries of God's covenant people. And ultimately, Jesus is the answer to the cries of His people. And I want to read you a couple of quotes here that just talk about the Psalms. One is by John Calvin who said this, I may truly call this book an anatomy of all parts of the soul for no one can feel a movement of the spirit which is not reflected in this mirror. All the sorrows, troubles, fears, doubts, Hopes, pains, perplexities, and stormy outbreaks by which the hearts of men are tossed have been depicted here to the very life. You see all of this, all this emotion from God's people as they cry out to him in the Psalms. Here's here's another brief quote that I love from Donald Whitney. He says, God has inspired a psalm for every sigh of the soul. So whatever emotion you feel at any point, at any given point in time, you'll see those reflected in the prayers and the songs and the praises of God's people in the Psalms. And so it's such a rich rich, rich book. Uh, you know, this is just a little note speaking about this. Um, my wife's not here. She's in Missouri. She's probably watching online. This just popped into my mind. So when I think about the emotions of the book of Psalms, uh, I remember before my wife and I uh, got together, she had experienced a breakup, and you know what she was doing? She was very emotional at that time. You know what she was doing? She was devouring the Psalms. <laughs> she was just reading the Psalms, reading the Psalms. It was her way of, of dealing with and trying to figure out how to how to cope with this situation in her life and the emotion that she had, because all of that is reflected in the Psalms. I would have more of a laugh if she was here. I could laugh at her. That You remember that guy that you, you know, uh, remember that season in the Psalms you had? Uh, she's going to kill me for that, but uh, I'll deal with that in the week when she's back. Um, so the Psalms are an amazing, amazing, rich book of the Bible. Uh, so I came across, a, you know, end of, back in the fall of last year when I was planning out and thinking through, praying through what God was going to have us do this year in, in the different sermon series. and I knew we wanted to do the summer in the Psalms, and I was just looking at different resources, and it's, it's, so the idea, that the complication was, how do you go through a book of the Bible? You know, we just spent 17 weeks going through a book of the Bible um, that has, you know, 28 chapters. So how in the world are we going to go through uh, 150 psalms in nine weeks? Well, we're not going to go through 150 psalms. Some of you all are like, these are going to be some long, long sermons. Uh, they are not. Uh, so one of the resources I found that I thought was really cool, uh, it's a website uh, called everypsalm.com. Uh, it's it's actually a husband and wife um, duo called, um, wh- wh- I can't remember what their name was. Um, uh, what is their name? Poor Bishop Hooper. Okay, that's not a name that like flows off the tongue. I couldn't remember. It's this husband and wife singer-songwriter duo who, they underwent this project. They called it Every Psalm. And so over the course of three years, what they did was every week for, you know, for three years, they would release every week a, a meditative song um, based on each each of the psalms. And so once a week, uh, they would do this. They would release a song, um, and it was just this really cool collection of psalm-based songs. Now, I do wish I enjoyed their music more. It's, it's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm not necessarily recommending their music. You may dig it. Uh, not my stuff, necessarily. But I love the idea of what they did, uh, that they were putting the psalms to music, which is really what... Uh, the Old Testament saints did. Uh, and so I liked how they categorized the Psalms. And I just want to walk through these briefly with you because this is what we're going to do over the next uh, seven weeks uh, is we're going we're to go through these different categories of Psalms. So you have uh, Psalms of praise, Psalms of lament, Psalms of thanksgiving, Psalms of confidence, Psalms of kingship, Psalms of remembrance and Psalms of, of wisdom. And in the sermon notes online, I have a link to uh, their website and to the descriptions of each of these kind of categories uh, of Psalms. But what we're going to do each week is we're going to simply walk through one of the Psalms in each of these categories. So this morning, we're going to talk about Psalms of, of praise, and that is the title this morning, a Psalm of praise. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 8. So we'll, we'll turn there in just a moment. If you've got a Bible with you, you can begin turning to Psalm. Psalm. Psalm 8, Uh, but I want to read this definition for you uh, from everypsalm.com, and we'll do this each week as we walk through each of these categories. Psalms of praise, otherwise known as hymns, are songs of pure praise to God. These songs are sung when our orientation and relationship with God is stable, calm, and untroubled. Psalms of praise can be general calls to worship, address God's rule as creator, or exist as an author's personal moments of adoration. And so I think that's a good definition, but one of the things that popped out to me in that definition, if you caught it, these songs are sung when our orientation and our relationship with God is stable, calm, and untroubled which if we were thinking about our lives that might explain some of our life right but, but but let me ask this question because this this kind of came to me as I was preparing because i know there's at any point in time there's there's many many of us who would not describe the season of our life as being stable and calm and untroubled right so here's the question is it possible is it possible to praise the lord even when things are not stable, they're unstable, when things are not calm, but they're turbulent, and when things are not untroubled, but very troublesome. Is it possible to praise the Lord in those seasons and in those moments? I am going to let you think about that, okay? We're going to come back to that question in a little bit, but I want to ask you at this point, if you've got your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 8, and I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to read together from Psalm 8, Psalm 8, this is God's word, it is is truth, it is life, it is God's revelation of himself to us. And so we're going to read this together, Psalm 8, verses 1 through 9. It says in verse number 8, David says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Says God's word, and Lord, just thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you for the book of Psalms that we dig into starting today as a church. God, we're grateful for uh, everything that you've recorded in here that reveals to us uh, the truth about who you are and what you have done for us. God, thank you for even recording the cries of your people and the raw and real and intense emotion of your people um, through times of, of joy and through times of, uh, of trouble. God, I pray that you would teach us over these few weeks as we spend the summer in the Psalms. I pray that you'd teach us, that you'd open our eyes and our hearts. Uh, Lord, help us to see you in your word. And God, may you do a work in all of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? Psalm 8 is where we're at Today, a psalm of, of praise. Really today, three points. Uh, and the way I've divided this up, you'll see an excla- ex- exclamation. Okay, so exclaiming something. You'll see a question and you'll see a statement. An exclamation, a question, and a statement. So the first one is an exclamation and here's what it is. How glorious is the Lord. How glorious is the Lord. And if you go back to verse number one of Psalm 8, the psalmist says, Cries out, David says, O Lord, our Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. He goes on to repeat that same phrase in verse number nine. It's kind of like a bookend for this psalm. It tells us really what the psalm is, is all about, how glorious is the Lord. And he starts out by saying, O Lord. If you've noticed this in the Old Testament, you'll see Lord in all capital letters uh, on occasion. That's referring to the revealed divine name of God, Yahweh. We see that way back in Exodus 14 when God reveals his name, I am who I am, to, to, to Moses. Uh, this is what he's declaring, O Lord, O Yahweh, O Lord, our Lord. So that second one when he says Lord, it refers to you know, my master, m- my leader, my my Lord. My sovereign, so he declares his name. O oh Lord, our Lord! How majestic, or how magnificent, how excellent, how glorious is your name in all the earth? Whenever you see uh, the writers in Scripture refer to the name of of the Lord. It, the name of the Lord encompasses all of, of who he is, all of his attributes, all of his nature. And so he declares, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name, all of who you are in all of the earth. In all of, of the earth, you are glorious. But but here's what he goes on to say is, but not even the whole earth could contain your glory. Not not even the whole planet could contain your majesty. He says in verse number uh, one, he says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. You've set your glory above the heavens. In other words, all of creation, all the heavens declare the glory of God. Amen. Psalm 19, David, again, in a different psalm, he declares this. He says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words, where uh, whose, whose voice is not heard. Their voice, the voice of the heavens, uh, his creation, goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world it all proclaims the glory of God and this is what David the psalmist is is declaring he says in, in verse number 3 when i look at your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place he says look at when i when i look at your heavens sometimes that's translated as consider like man when i when i look at when i consider when i think deeply on your heavens, when I look into the night sky and I see the moon and, and the stars, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I stand in awe. I'm, am, I'm amazed at your incredible creation that you have set in place, he says. When, when you think about the galaxies and the universe and how he holds the planets in, in orbit, David says, man, my mind is blown when I consider what you have made, that the greatness and the power of God, it's, it's so clear when we look out into the heavens and all that God has created. Y'all realize that we live on a spinning ball of dust. <laughs> have you ever thought about like, how God keeps this all, these planets in orbit and our distance from the sun and all of these things? Man, it, he has set these things in place. The psalmist says, he, he says, he uses this phrase, he says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers. Now, I want to introduce you to a word you've probably never heard. Uh, it's the word anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism. So anthro means man, morph kind of means form. Okay. So what this phrase refers to is any time that we ascribe or assign uh, human characteristics to God. All right. So whether that's that's physical attributes or uh, human emotion, when we refer to things uh, like the work of your fingers, now do you ever th- have you ever thought about God? Does God have fingers? like no this is anthropomorphism we're assigning human characteristics to god so we can understand his nature when we talk about uh, the eyes of the lord or his hand or his strong arm we're assigning to him helping us to understand uh, the spirit being God the father through human terms things that we understand and so the psalmist David says man when I look at when I consider the heavens the work of your fingers in other words what he's saying is God you created all of this you formed and fashioned all of this all of the heavens every single star you have set in place like just think of that phrase for a second Y'all, when you do, like, your dishes, you probably have a place for everything, right? For your utensils and your bowls and all these things. I'm referring to this because I'm doing more dishes this week than I typically do. Uh, So every place, everything has a place, right? But think about how, like, the Lord, when, when he was creating the heavens and the earth and everything, everything had its place. Every star wasn't just randomly flung out. It was set in place by the fingers of God. And so David is just marveling at the the glory and the majesty of the Lord. He not only reveals his glory through creation, but he loves to choose the weak. Back in verse number two, it says out of the mouth of babies and, and infants. Man, he uses, this is something that God loves to do from beginning to, to end in Scripture. We see this in 1 Corinthians. He loves to use the weak to confound the mighty. And even through the mouths of babies and infants, he reveals his glory and his, his power. So David repeats this phrase, O Lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth he repeats this again in verse 9 why because it's it's an exclamation right he's marveling at what god has done he's caught up in the magnitude of of all that god is and all that he has done this is his exclamation how glorious is the lord and this leads into a question so Here's the second thing we see in this passage. We see this question. The question is this. What is man that you are mindful of him and that you care for him? What is man that you are mindful of him and care for him? Verse number three, which we just saw, he says, When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? So David, he considers the, the greatness of the universe. And in contrast to that, he considers the seeming insignificance of, of these tiny little human beings. Right? When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, when I see all that you have done, and then I consider um, this little human Like, what is man that you would be mindful of of us, that you would care for us? We're so insignificant. Big God, small little human beings. How could you be mindful of of us is is what he declares here. He says, I'm amazed that you'd even think of us, much less care for us. I want to read you this quote from John Trapp. He, He says this, Sorry, sickly man, a mass of mortalities, a map of miseries, a mixture of or compound of dirt and sin. And yet God is mindful of him. Let me read that again. I love this description of, of us. Sorry, sickly man, a mass of mortalities, a map of miseries, a mixture or compound of dirt and sin. This is us. And yet God is mindful of him. God is mindful of you, this is, this is this question that David poses. How could you, God of the heavens, king of the universe, how could you be mindful of us? That word mindful has this idea of how could you remember? How could you think of, how could you even think about us? How could your mind even come to us? But then he goes beyond just thinking about us, being mindful of us. He says, no, no, no. the son of man, that you care for him. Not just that you would think of, but you would actually pay attention and care for. Another translation of that word care for would be to visit. Uh, Who are we in the scope of everything, God, that you would even come to visit us, that you would come up close and care for us? much less give your life for us. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you would care for him? And I just want to say this, y'all, if you've been around, you know the Bible, you know this to be true, but you need to hear this. I need to hear this over and over and over again, that God's involvement with us is not distant. It is intimate. It is personal. It is up close. He doesn't just think of you, he cares for you. And this is the the place that David comes to. When I look at all that you have created and I consider me, I know what I'm made of, that I'm made of dirt and sin, and yet you are mindful of me and you care for me. This is why this is a psalm of, of praise, amen? This is the question, who are we? That you would be mindful of us and that you would care for us. Then this moves into the third and final thing, which is a statement. Exclamation, question, here is the statement. You have crowned us with, gl- with glory and honor. You have crowned us with glory and honor, period. So though our small size in, in relation to the God of the universe would suggest that we are insignificant Listen to this now. God has bestowed upon us great significance. Do y'all believe that? That even though in the scope of, in, in relation to the size and magnitude of God in the heavens and the earth, we, seem, we are seemingly insignificant, and yet God has bestowed upon us incredible significance you have crowned us with glory and honor verse number five he says this yet you have made him you have made man a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with with glory In honor. So this language harkens back to the the creation account, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. As we come through the creation, uh, we see in those first couple chapters uh, that we're made in the image of God. We are made as image bearers. We reflect the glory, the image of God. We are crowned with glory and honor. Even though we are a little bit lower uh, ranking than the angels, and let me add this for now, For now, until Jesus returns and restores things to the way they ought to be, uh, he has crowned us with glory and honor. Let me read you a quote from James Montgomery Boyce. He says this, This is an effective way of identifying man with God and of saying that he has been made in God's image, reflecting God's glory in a way other parts of the creation do not. Y'all, we reflect God's glory in a way that no other part of creation does because we we, we hold the, the image of God. We reflect the image of God. We are made in the, the image and the likeness of God. And so we bring glory to God like nothing else in creation. Verse number six, he goes on to say that you have given, God, you have given man dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his Feet. He has given dominion over everything. There was nothing in creation that was not put under the, the, the power and the control, the dominion of humankind. God has bestowed this, God has given man dominion over everything. And yet, what we, we see as we read through the story and as we look at our own lives, like the fall, sin, mess that up. But it will be restored again one day that He has given us dominion over everything and so let me let me say this as kind of a, a side note uh, in thinking through this whole idea that God has given us dominion and authority over everything. How, what a tragedy that that today we, who were originally given dominion and power and rule over all things remember there's nothing in creation that was not made to be under our dominion what a tragedy then that we as these beings would live lives that would be under the dominion and under the control and under the rule of material things right that's our struggle. We struggle to come under the rule and the control of material things. The good news is, if you know Jesus, if, if you put your faith in Christ, there is coming a day when that is not gonna be the case. That what Jesus has done for us has, has, has freed us and will one day free us completely from the presence of, of sin and its power over us. And so here is the statement. You have, ord- you have crowned us with glory and honor. You have crowned us with glory and honor. You have given us significance that material things nothing else could give to us. You know, when I read this, this psalm, Psalm 8, uh, I, my mind immediately goes back to uh, an old song. Uh, an old song um, from a church that we were at. Uh, y'all have heard me talk, even in our last series, about this church. My wife, Annette, and I went to uh, right out of Bible College. It was in Northeast Ohio. Uh, it was a church that was to us like the church at, at Antioch. Um, it, it's not the perfect church. There's things that we would not agree with even to this day. Uh, but man, this was a place where uh, I started to understand the, the depth of the gospel, and uh, we came out of pretty traditional backgrounds, and, and they were singing songs there that were uh, kind of contemporary. They were contemporary, but uh, I listen back to them now. This song that I'm going to reference was put out in, like, 1996 by Hosanna Music. If, if some of you all remember back in the day, some of this uh, uh, initial, like, praise music uh, that was starting to come out there, um, there was a song called You Called Me By Name. And I remember when we went into this church, and they, they would sing, we would sing this song, and I remember, like, I knew the truths of this song, but, like, you know what I'm talking about when it's like, you know it, but mm, it, it just hits different. And, and so I remember singing this song and the words of this song, and, every, like, I, I read uh, the first couple verses of, of Psalm 8, and immediately I'm, like, singing in my mind this song, uh, back from, like, the year 2000, 2001, when we were singing this song in this church, and I was learning like I was absorbing the truth of the gospel. And I want to just read you some of the lyrics to this. If my wife were here, we would sing the song to you um, so you could get the idea. Unfortunately, she's not here, so sorry about that. Uh, no, you would be sorry if, if she were here. here. Here's the way verse 1 goes. And you'll recognize these words. When I consider... The work of your fingers, the sun and the stars, the land and the sea. I start to wonder, almighty creator, just why you would ever take thought of me. I just, man, I get emotional thinking about it. Because I remember like, I, you know, I was in this church singing pretty traditional hymns, which I love uh, to this day, but man, this just hit different. It goes into this, this chorus here, and it says this, Yet you have called me by name. You are acquainted with all of my ways, bought by your blood, Drawn by your love, I am your dwelling place. I mean, I knew this was going to mess me up, y'all. For you have called me your friend, showing me favor again and again. I'm set apart, dear to your heart. You called me by name. Y'all, that should cause you to praise the Lord. Amen. This draws on really a few different places. Psalm 8. Jesus' words in John 15 when Jesus said, Hey, I don't call you servants. I've called you friends. You are my friends. Isaiah 43, I love this declaration of the prophet. He says, But thus now says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I've redeemed you. I have called you how? By name. You are mine. Man, I love it. I love it. This is David's statement. You have crowned us with glory and honor. We are significant in your sight. You love us, you care for us. So, let me give you kind of my bottom line statement this morning. I don't read this slow, and I'm going to read it multiple times because we need this to sink in. God is intensely glorious yet intimately gracious. God is intensely glorious, yet he is intimately gracious and kind. He knows us. He's mindful of us. He cares for us. He calls us by name. Why? Because we are his. This is the God that we're talking about. Does this not elicit praise? This is why we call this a psalm of praise. So let me come back to that initial question I posed. Is it possible to praise the Lord even when things are unstable, even when things are turbulent, even when things are troublesome? Listen, there are other, there are other psalms that will address lament and some of these ideas, but I believe, I don't know what you think, but my answer would be absolutely yes, that it is it is possible to praise the Lord even when things aren't stable and calm and untroubled. Why? For three three reasons. One of these I had to add this morning when we were singing. Number one, because he is worthy. Amen? Number one, because he is worthy. Number two is because... Uh, we see and we will see, hopefully you'll join us in this reading through the Psalms during the summer in our reading plan. We see the witness of God's people through the ages and all throughout the book of Psalms that yes, it is possible in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of adversity to praise the Lord. So that's the second reason. One, he's worthy. Two, we see the witness of God's people all throughout the Psalms and the scriptures. But number three, I'll say it this way, I've seen it in the lives of people that I love and respect. I've seen it in the lives of people that I love and respect. And when I was thinking about this, two people immediately came to my mind. Uh, people that have uh, have went home to be with the Lord in recent months and, and years. The first person that I wanna mention is uh, one of our dear ladies, Ann Stewart. Uh, Ann, uh, She went home to be with the Lord back on May 21st, and I met with her family yesterday to plan uh, the memorial service, which uh, I wanted to let you all know about uh, Saturday, June 17th, so two weeks from yesterday uh, that will be held here. Uh, 1 p.m. Uh, we're going to celebrate uh, the family and Anne at her request. She wanted this to be a celebration of her life. And so we're going to follow it up uh, after the, the service with a reception uh, the family's going to host. But uh, we would rather call it an after party <laughs> because we're going to celebrate her life and we're going to praise the Lord for uh, for Anne and all that she meant to us in this church uh, and how she served the Lord. But I immediately thought of, of, of Anne um, as, I was, as I was thinking thinking about the witness of people that I've, I've known. Um, you know, she texted, in uh, the last text conversation she had with, with, uh, with Annette, um, she, I wanna, actually, I want to read it to you. Uh, here's what she wrote to, to Annette back on April 25th, so less than a month uh, prior to her homegoing. Uh, she said this, I have completed my radiation therapy today. I've decreased my pain level significantly. The tumors behind my eye and in my jaw have shrunk so much. My family and my doctors are taking great care of me. And this is a line you see here. The Lord is blessing and helping me each day. I love and miss you, all you guys. Oh man, I just saw those words like, Man, in the midst of what she was experiencing, that less than a month later she would say goodbye to all her earthly family and relatives and church that she loved so dearly. Man, in the midst of, of that fighting cancer, she was able to say, The Lord is blessing and helping me each day. Y'all, to the end, she was praising the Lord. And I'm so thankful for for the testimony of her and for many, many, many followers of Jesus that would follow that example. And so Anne is, is one example that I thought of immediately. Uh, I thought of another you all have heard me talk about. It. I've ter- talked about this church uh, earlier. Uh, pastor Mark was the pastor, my pastor, uh, that ordained me, commissioned me, um, taught me so much about the gospel. Uh, he died two years ago, February 2021. And uh, I just thought of him because I thought of the way that he was some of the same things that that Ann was experiencing, Pastor Mark was. And so it was this, this eerie kind of remembrance of what he went through when we were walking through this stuff with Ann. And so I just went back and I looked at his Facebook um, wall and I was like, I just, I'm, I'm curious to see what, like, what were some of the last things that he, he posted. Uh, you know, as he was approaching um, his time to leave this earth, and uh, he posted something back on. So he died on February 20th, 2021. Uh, about a month prior, uh, he wrote this post, January 18th. And I just want to read it to you because I think it's. Uh, I think the timing is interesting. So there was a picture that he shared. He shared another post, um, which he usually was like spitting out wisdom left and right. But he was sharing another post here, and he shared this picture. And and I want to read this. This is from. Uh, Uh, Erwin Moon, who is from Moody Institute of Science, and he said this. uh, This is what Erwin Moon said. All of us have looked up on a clear night and seen the sparkling, twinkling stars. But how many of us have realized that we cannot see the stars as they now are? Every time we look, we are looking into the past, seeing them as they were. The nearest naked eye star, Alpha Centauri, uh, which is pictured, is about four light years away. The most distant naked eye object, the uh, Andromedia galaxy, is about a million and a half light years away. This means that the light has been traveling four light years or over a million years just to reach us. As a result, we are looking into the past, but this works both ways. If you were on one of the stars, you would, assuming an adequate telescope, see the Earth as it was sometime in the past. From the star Sirius, you could see what you are doing nine years ago, because in a profoundly true scientific sense, you are still doing it. Yes, everything you have ever done, you are still doing. The ghost of your past haunts the universe. But remember, God is omnipresent. This means that for God, every sin you have ever committed, every evil thing you have ever done, you are still doing and will continue to do forever apart from God's forgiveness. Only the omnipotent, Eternal God who controls all the factors of time, space, and matter could ever remove sin. And then Pastor Mark ended with his own words. This is what he said. Just one other reason among 10,000 to praise and thank God for the forgiveness found in his glorious Son. Just one other reason among 10,000 to praise and thank God for the forgiveness found in his glorious Son. Son, And so with some of his last words, and I'm sure of it to his dying breath, he was praising the Lord. And you know, I'm so thankful for the example of these two people in my life. But you know what? At the end of the day, they were doing what we were all made to do. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so God, thank you this morning that we have so many countless reasons to praise you for your goodness, your grace, God, your your power to overcome sin, to forgive sin, to cleanse and wipe away all sin. Lord, we have so so many reasons to praise you and thank you. Thank you for the Psalms, thank you for Psalm 8, the words of David. Um, Lord, the words of Anne, the words of Pastor Mark, the words of many countless followers of yours down through the ages that uh, praised you and lifted up your name and, in the midst of joy, in the midst of, of, of sorrow. God, we want to be that kind of people that we worship you in the good and in the bad, on the mountaintops and in the valleys. Lord, because you are worthy of every ounce of our praise. You are glorious, you are intensely glorious. You created the heavens and the earth, and yet you are intimately gracious with us. You love us, you care for us. You see us, you know us, and you love us. And so God, thank you. You are worthy of all of our praise. And so as we remember you, we remember your sacrifice for us, God, we praise you. We do so with, with hearts full of, of praise because of who you are and all that you've done. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.